of the pancreatic cancer had spread to both lungs. And I couldn't breathe. Uh, I was coughing 24 hours a day. I couldn't sleep. And so we really now knew this was probably the end, getting close to the end. I'm Yanira Galindo for N equals One, a podcast about science and discovery at UC San Diego. And I'm Heather Bushman. In each episode, we bring you the story of one project, one discovery, one scientist, or in this case, one patient. Today on N equals One, Mike Levine tells us how his diagnosis of stage four cancer wasn't the end, but the beginning of a superhuman journey that takes him to Kona, Hawaii for the Ironman World Championship. So Yadira, you and I, we both like to run. Do it for fun, of course, but we can relate to the toll that athletic events can have on the body. So what amazes me is that Mike is on chemotherapy for life but he didn't just go to Hawaii as a spectator. He took a two week break from his cancer therapy and boarded a plane as an athlete in one of the most grueling physical competitions there is. And it's, it's hard to grasp the immensity of this feat and, like, and what it took for him to do this. I mean, even the most healthy and well-trained athletes find this competition challenging. And to do all this while also undergoing chemotherapy it's seriously amazing. Yeah, truly, it's astonishing. At the peak of training, Mike was swimming up to six miles a week, cycling some 200 miles and running as many as 35 miles, all in one week. I mean, yeah. I can't do that. No, me neither. <laughs> Stan Howley went from barely able to walk in January to Ironman in October. We're going to hear from Mike, his training partner, the 1982 female world champion, Kathleen McCartney, his wife, Jan, and his oncologist, Dr. Paul Fanta, at Moore's Cancer Center at UC San Diego Health. Okay, but first a little context. Pancreatic cancer begins in your pancreas, the organ lying behind the lower part of your stomach. And from what I hear, it often sneaks up on people because there are very rarely any symptoms until it's quite advanced. Mike was diagnosed with this disease in 2015 at a different hospital when he first noticed symptoms. Let's hear from Mike. Uh, I noticed that my urine was uh, discolored, almost like a rust colored dark. And uh, you know, sometimes you'll see that kind of darkishness if you're extremely dehydrated, let's say you just did a marathon or some major event and you just weren't hydrated well enough. So I said, hmm. And it persisted uh, for a couple of days like that. It hadn't changed. I was hydrated and drinking. And then also I had noticed that uh, my stool had changed too. It changed to like a chalky color, uh, very unusual and kind of floated on the surface. It just was abnormal, it just didn't seem right. So I kept an eye on these symptoms for a couple of days and no change. So it's time to call my family doctor. So I went in and told him and he ran some tests and the blood test came back with uh, some bad results uh, for liver function tests. They were s seriously elevated. Mike went to see a gastroenterologist who said his symptoms could be a result of 10 different things. Mm. Last on that list was cancer. So after a battery of tests, they decided to do an endoscopy, a non-surgical procedure used to visually examine the digestive system using a flexible tube with a light and camera. That's when the gastroenterologist saw what he called an angry red mass. Ugh. A biopsy confirmed it was pancreatic cancer. 
Later tests revealed that it had spread to his lymph nodes. Yeah, I didn't know much about pancreatic cancer. I knew it was not a good cancer, but uh, at any rate, uh, we got home, we did our research, and it just scared scared the dickens out of us. Uh, we saw it was like really the worst cancer of all cancers. So once it enters your lymphatic system, yeah, it means it's spreading around to other areas. And um, so uh, sh that put me at a stage, what they call stage four. Yeah, it gives you a less than a 1% chance of living five years at stage four. So doctors use a stage to identify the extent of a person's cancer. Using diagnostic tools, oncologists will determine the size of a tumor, how abnormal the cancer cells look, and whether the cancer has metastasized, that is, spread to other parts of the body, all to determine what stage a person's cancer is at. And that information helps guide treatment. Staging starts at zero when abnormal cells may become cancer. The higher the number of the stage, the larger the tumors or the more it has spread. Stage four is the highest level. So this was obviously not good news for Mike. Not at all. Dr. Fanjar will tell us more about pancreatic cancer. So pancreas cancer is a devastating disease. Over about 50,000 patients are gonna be diagnosed this year with pancreatic cancer. About 42,000 patients are gonna die from pancreas cancer this year. So it's a very lethal disease. And it's one of which is um, primarily seen in our 60s and 70s, but we see a rather young population as well. It's the only real cure is surgically, and most patients present in an advanced stage, um, one in which we can't cure them. If Mike was diagnosed with stage four cancer, does that mean he couldn't have surgery? Well, actually, when he was first diagnosed, his original healthcare team decided that, based on the size of the tumor, that he was actually a candidate for a Whipple procedure. That's when surgeons remove parts of several gastrointestinal organs in order to remove the tumor, because remember, the pancreas is kind of hidden behind things. Mm. And he completed six months of chemotherapy after the surgery. But a year and a half after surgery, he developed a cough that he just couldn't shake. Mm. And unfortunately, an MRI showed white masses all over his lungs. The cancer returned and his health really deteriorated. Hope can be hard to find when you're diagnosed with a cancer in which just 8% of patients survive past five years past their diagnosis. So how did Mike cope? Well, as you can imagine, there were some pretty dark days. Mike described it as feeling like he was on death row waiting for an execution at San Quentin. Oh, geez. And the chemo weakens you and uh, it's strong, harsh. So I spent most of my time on the bed, sleeping, watching the news, or out on the couch. Just didn't feel real comfortable, constant fatigue. So, you know, you feel like you're withering away somewhat. And it affects you up here mentally. And um, it, it's tough to deal with, you know, it's a different type of life. Uh, it's a lower quality of life. After someone recommended that Mike go see Dr. Fanta, a specialist in pancreatic cancer, Mike arrives at Moore's Cancer Center. We'll let Dr. Fanta describe Mike's condition when he came to see him and what happened next. He um, 
was pretty symptomatic. He couldn't breathe, he couldn't finish a sentence, and was very panicked. And as you can imagine, when your breath is short, um, you become quite anxious. Um, he came down here seeking a second opinion, and we started, to, started him on a chemotherapy regimen, which has been extremely well tolerated, and he has benefited immensely clinically from this. He's had resolution of his symptoms. What's outstanding about Mike is um, he rides a bike on his days of chemotherapy, which he doesn't have any side effects from his chemotherapy. And he's taken on a uh, exercise regimen, which has been extremely rigorous. And in doing so, he's um, refound the sport of triathlon. Dr. Fanna put Mike on a different chemotherapy regimen that consisted of two consecutive Tuesdays, followed by a three-week break. That gives Mike's body a chance to recover, but it also has been doing wonders at keeping his disease at bay. Okay, so the tumors on his lungs clear up, but he's still living with cancer. Mike is still getting chemotherapy, and that treatment can be pretty debilitating. He's far from being in the shape that he was during the 1980s when he first competed in an Ironman. So what made him get off the couch and return to triathlons? I sure don't know if I could have done that. Yeah, I, it took a lot, I think, of energy and willpower. When he came to see Dr. Fanta, Mike was physically and mentally in bad shape. He and his wife, Jan, began the emotional process of end-of-life planning, you know, wills and all of those things that mm -hmm. come with it. It wasn't looking good, and Jan decided that if these were Mike's last days, she wanted to lift his spirit, so he, she invited his friends from the triathlon community to celebrate life with Mike, even if it was just one more time. Here's Jan. He's feeling so much better, but he really wasn't exercising or doing anything. He's still laying in bed, um, thinking that chemo is just the end of the world, but it's, you know, at least I'm not coughing. I mean, I am able to do a few things, but. I'm not the old Mike, the old sweetheart that I got married to, that had, we had so much fun together. And so when I had this party and I invited, I was able to invite all these old triathlete friends, people that I knew would give them inspiration to say, Mike, get up, get out of bed and get outside, move it. I, I just knew that if he saw any of them, and sure enough, little sparks came. To say there were sparks is putting it mildly. Mike participated in his first Ironman in the 80s, inspired by an incredible finish line win by Kathleen McCartney. Well, Kathleen lives in San Diego and she was invited to the celebration of life for Mike. She was not able to attend, but she called Mike up and invited him to go for a bike ride. And that's when his journey to Kona began. So we planned a bike ride in early January after the holidays. And we spent the first hour at Panikin and Lucadia having coffee, getting to know each other. Then we went out on a short bike ride. I could barely breathe. I could go three miles, had to stop and rest on the flat coastline. But it was a start. So I worked hard at it and get it stronger. And then we decided, well, let's get in a pool. Let's try swimming. Okay. And let's try some running also one day. Okay. So we started doing these things together, slow at first, she was so patient, yeah, but I was getting my strength back. 
And then I think it was uh, sometime in early April, and I was really just half joking. I said, you know, maybe I should toy with the idea of maybe doing Iron Man again someday. He said this to Kathleen, and she immediately jumped at the idea. She was already planning to compete in Iron Man and saw a fire in his gut that just told her, yes, we can do this. So she invited him to train together. In a 10-month time span, less than a year, Mike went from writing a will to Iron Man. So that makes me wonder, what did Dr. Fanta think of this so-called joke? I was a little nervous at first because I didn't want to put him in harm's way, but this is coming along so naturally. It just seems like the right thing to do. So it's something we've been totally supportive of. Uh, when he falls on his bike and stuff like that, those get really nerve-wracking. I mean, he's very careful, but I mean, these things happen in this sport. His body is completely changed. I mean, it's pretty impressive. And when you see him, it's not your typical patient you would imagine with enduring um, chemotherapy. Dr. Fanta is helping Mike by tailoring his therapy and looking at his nutrition and being a past Ironman participant, Mike had a pretty good idea of what it would take to prepare for this event. Yes, and at the same time, no. I mean, in the previous triathlons he's participated in, his body hadn't been ravaged by cancer or chemotherapy. Mm. It, he you know, was in really great shape at that time. So Kathleen became Mike's training partner and coach. Together, they had to figure out how to get Mike ready. Here's Kathleen. Uh, we are kind of reinventing what training means because Mike is going somewhere where no one has ever gone before. He's a stage four pancreatic cancer patient on chemo for life, and he's doing the Ironman this year. And so it's been very interesting trying to figure out, you know, how does one train for the Ironman when you have those challenges? So basically what we decided is that he just needs to simply do as many hours of training as his body will allow. But every day, that's a new decision and sometimes even modified while we are out training. Kathleen was inspired by Mike's physical and mental transformation. She said she saw him come alive before her eyes. Jan agrees. Swimming, cycling, running, it all changed Mike. He told me that he wanted to get to that start line in Kona to be an example to other people facing debilitating diseases and terminal diseases. Live your dreams. You're still alive and uh, just have passion about the life that you have, you know, and be aggressive, you know, get the best medical treatment you can because we're all here for just a short time. So make the most of it. Mike understands that his cancer isn't cured, but it is being managed like a chronic disease. He'll likely continue on chemotherapy for the rest of his life. So far, his body is tolerating it very well, enough that Mike was training for Ironman the day following chemotherapy. Uh, Mike's had to dig down deep, and you know he's endured a lot, and it's been a tough journey, but he's, he's um, I can't cure him, but his quality of life is excellent. And, if I, if I can't cure disease, but he can have a normal quality of life with uh, minimal interruption with the institution of therapy, then we've succeeded. I don't have to necessarily cure somebody, but we can actually um, extend their life and quality of life. Those are honorable goals. So 
Part of what really amazes me about this story is not just Mike's spirit and his athletic will, but also the fact that cancer is a chronic, can be a chronic disease that you can live with and manage. You know, normally we think of cancer as being something you either go into remission and you're cancer free or it doesn't. And you know, we don't, we haven't really over the years heard much about this, this in between, this living right. somewhat normally with cancer, um, the way you would a chronic disease like diabetes or hypertension or chronic kidney disease. I mean, medications can control those diseases and help maintain a good quality of life for the patients. We tend to look at those patients as offering opportunities to try to treat it as a chronic disease understanding individual patients' um, genetic drivers for their disease, um, and understanding those drivers to intercept those drivers to offer some treatment modalities for them. It's a wonderful opportunity here. We're focused at UCSD working with other institutions here in town, with the Stanford Burnham, the Salk Institute, um, and working toward um, developing drugs and one thing that we're very con uh, concerned about is, you know, typically these drug regimens have uh, response rates of about 30%, which doesn't sound very good. If you're in the 30%, that's great, but in the we ought to have some tests to tell us who the 70 and who the 30% is. So one of our uh, goals is, with Mike's case, is to identify why is he responding, um, and how can we identify future patients that will respond to this regimen. This is obviously personalized medicine at its best. Personalized medicine is something we talk a lot about on this podcast. And here, Dr. Fanta and the entire team at UC San Diego Health not only found a therapy regimen that got Mike back on his feet, but they've also tailored it to allow Mike to do what he loves most. Mike's journey has touched many people, and he hopes that it will bring awareness to pancreatic cancer and the need for further research to better understand what drives it and how to control it. Before we end this episode, a quick update on Mike's Ironman experience. He felt really strong at the start line and finished his swim in really good time. Unfortunately, the unforgiving heat reflecting off the lava fields during the bike portion did affect Mike. At the halfway point to the bike leg, Mike decided to pull out, and, and it's a good thing. I mean, he mm. really knows his body. He needed to yeah. make those decisions. That's smart. Yeah. His muscles were fine, but he was feeling dizzy from the heat and there was a really fast descent coming up on the return trip from the, on the bike part mm -hmm. that it really could have been hazardous for him under those circumstances. Still, his training and his performance in Kona are truly heroic. For sure. When he got back from Hawaii, he told me he was already planning for some spring triathlons to keep him healthy and motivated. <laughs> Love it. Mahalo, Mike. And that concludes our episode. For N equals one, I'm Heather. And I'm Yadira. Thanks for joining us.